Welcome to God's Tabernacle Christian Family Church where God dwells podcast. Best believe that you'll be receiving the word of God from our senior pastors, doctors David and Louisa Maluzzi. The word of God says, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. Keep it locked and stay blessed. Father, we thank you that even as we study your word, that you minister to us by your spirit and make it known to your children that, Lord, I am not trusting on my own human wisdom to share your word, but I'm depending upon you, Spirit of God, to speak forth the word with power and with anointing. Lord, I promise to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor for all that you will do and accomplish through your word this day. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Shake a hand of somebody next to you as you sit down. Tell them, I am the highly favored of the Lord. God bless you. By the way, uh, our men's conference was supposed to be on the 2nd of November. And so we have shifted it. Uh, it's now going to be the first part of the year. Just like the women's conference, it's in the second, in the second semester. So the men's conference will always be in the first semester. Amen. Amen. So we have moved our men's conference to the 21st of March. On the 20th, yes, let's give God. It's going to be great. Amen. Now, it's easy to remember the date. When the school closes, got the first term. When they close, got Friday. That's Saturday. Always. That's Saturday. After first term, when the school closes on Friday, that Saturday is the men's conference. That's a standing date. Hallelujah. So uh, for this coming year, it's going to be on the 21st of March. It's going to be a holiday also. You know, so on the 21st of March, we'll be having our men's conference. Amen? Praise God. All right. Are you ready for the word of God? Now, today I'm starting a brand new series. Hallelujah. And I believe that it's going to bless you. I'm preaching at Christian Family Church during the celebration. Hallelujah. And I'm preaching on Thursday afternoon. And so uh, you'll be there. Praise God. So I'll be preaching the message that I'm preaching right now. So I'll be preaching it there. Hallelujah. Now the title of my message is The Blessing of Partnering with God on His Mission. I was going to preach something else, but God led me to be ministering on this. The blessing of partnering with God on his mission. Now, God has been on a mission ever since the fall of man. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, uh, God has always been on a mission. It has never been multi-missions or uh, many missions, but it has been a singular mission. And that mission, it has always been to reconcile man back to God. So the mission of God has always been the reconciliation of man and the whole universe back to God. When man sinned against God, by disobedience, he gave Satan access to the universe to ruin the earth and the atmosphere above. Yeah. Now, that sin ruined man's relationship with God. And a curse came into the world. You know, sin made a curse to come into the world. Now, let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. We'll read verse 14 to verse 19. The Bible tells us, And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, 
Chase are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now, when, uh, when the serpent came and tempted Eve, it was not that it was just a serpent, but it was Satan. When we go into the New Testament, the Bible tells us that that serpent is Satan. So it was Satan here who tempted Eve. It was Satan who, uh, who influenced Eve to eat the fruit, the forbidden fruit, uh, in, in a way coming against God or disobeying God. So now when God addresses the serpent, you need to understand that he is addressing Satan himself. Amen? Now, listen to what he says. He says, you shall go, on your belly you shall go, and thus you shall eat, and uh, eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise is here. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to the man, to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Curse is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Till you, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust. And to dust you shall return. Now what we see here is that God loved man. Man, human being, was his treasured possession. So much that uh, when he sinned, when man sinned against God, when human beings sinned against God, God started a process of reconciling, you know, that how can I get back to man? How can I really establish this relationship that, uh, uh, you know, with men. How can I do that? You know, because God so much loved men. You know, it's just like uh, maybe uh, somebody divorces you, uh, and then you so much love the person, and then you say, but how can I get back to the person? Because I still love the person. You understand? You know, so that was what was happening with God. You know, God was saying that I love men, I love mankind so much, I can't just leave men to be damned, you know, to be condemned, to be destroyed, because I love men. When I created him, we created him as the Father, uh, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we created men uh, in our own image, in our own likeness. Therefore, I can't just let go of men. Yeah. And so God started a process of reconcil uh, reconciliation, reconciling man back to God. Now, when we look at J uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, a popular scripture, the Bible tells us, For God so loved the world eh, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God called different people and entered into covenants with them for the purpose of bringing the rest of humanity to reconciliation. You now, when God entered into covenant, we we'll look at some of uh, those people. You know, people like uh, Noah. When God entered covenant with Abraham, when God entered into a covenant with David, and all of that, the purpose was, can we agree together that 
we reconcile human beings. It's like uh, maybe uh, your spouse has divorced you, and then you say, you know what, who, who, can, I, who can I use? You go to your spouse's uncle, you know, Malume, you know, you know, can you please help us? You enter into a covenant, are you with me? You know, but do that. Yeah. And then uh, you realize oh, it, 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 it gets some uh, certain, you know, success. And, uh, 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 but you want to go further. You, you go now to Rakhadi, Rakhadi. Now, that when God entered into a covenant with people, individuals, that's exactly what he was doing. You know, he was entering into a covenant so that people can be a blessing. People can go out there and say, Hi, human being, God loves you, and God wants you to be reconciled back to him. Are you with me? And so that has been uh, the ministry that God has entered into. Now, because God so loved the world. You know, and ultimately he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, for that purpose. And so we are given, today when we are in ministry, we are given the ministry of reconciliation. That all of us here on earth, we are given the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 to verse 20 tells us, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us. You know, God did not only reconcile uh, uh, us to himself, but he also gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So your existence here on earth is to be a reconciler of man to God. That is powerful. Say this, my ministry, my purpose of being here on earth is to reconcile people back to God. You see, we find our existence in that. Now, if I, I, I depart from that, then life becomes uh, meaningless. Yeah. The moment I lose focus and I start to do other things and I don't focus on what God is focusing on, you know, my life becomes meaningless. You know, when I live for myself or I do things for myself, it's all about me having a nice time and so forth. I'm telling you that life becomes meaningless. Yeah. Because uh, God has put us here on earth for only one reason and for one reason only, that we can and we should reconcile people back to God. Look, when you are gone, you know, uh, you'll be forgotten. And what will count before God is what you have done for him. Amen? Yeah. So, so this must really sink into our lives that, by the way, I am here on earth for only one purpose, to reconcile man back to God. That's what it is. I mean, I, I, I was uh, looking at our uh, dear deputy minister who passed on on Friday. They're thinking about it that at age 38, she's no more. But God has given you life. You know, God has given you life. And what are you living for? Now, what are we living for? And you know what? Satan wants to distract us from what matters. 
He will give us so many things to do. We will be busy with so many things. But uh, just to distract us from what matters, what is critical. You know, I, I want that when I pass on from this earth and I meet Jesus, and Jesus will welcome me into heaven and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And you know what will I be judged on? I will be judged on, did I do what God has called, called me to do here on earth? Was I involved in the ministry that he has called me? Yeah, that is what will, be, uh, will matter when I get to heaven. You know, uh, it won't be that, oh, you had a nice, you know, good life, and, you know, you had uh, great children, you know, you... You know, you, it's, it, all of that won't matter. All that will matter is, did you do the work of the ministry? Did you, uh, were you involved in the ministry of reconciliation? Reconciling people back to God. So we are given the ministry of reconciliation. And verse 19 says, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. And verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Say this, I am an ambassador for Christ. Yeah. Now he says, God making his appeal through us. Hey, we are given a responsibility. God making his appeal through us. We employ you on, on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. So God is... A, he is, he is making his appeal through us that people would be reconciled to God. So God started his mission by working with men through different administration. Yeah. Or what uh, will be called different dispensations. You know, God, all of that was God trying to work with men to uh, bring reconciliation uh, back to them. Bring man back to, uh, uh, to be reconciled to him. Now, an administration is a stage, a stage in a progressive revelation. In other words, God is moving from here to there. Yeah. But at a particular time, he's imploring and he's in doing uh, he's doing things in a particular way. Yeah. So that is a, an, an administration at that time. And then all of that is to, 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 uh, uh, to fulfill his mission, that is reconcile man back to God. Yeah. And that administration is called a dispensation. You know, this is how I will deal with people. Yeah. And then if at this particular stage, this is how I will deal with people. At this particular stage, this is how I will deal with people. Am I making sense? And so that is why I say administration is a stage in a progressive revelation. Revelation that is progressive. Expressly adapted to the needs of a particular nation or a particular period of time. So dispensationalism, when we talk about dispensationalism, it's an approach to the Bible that recognizes different moral responsibilities for people. Yeah. It's a way the Bible looks at how people should respond to God, to put it in a simple terms in keeping with how much they knew about God and his ways. So God's revelation of himself in different eras required moral responses on a part of humanity. 
You know, God is expecting people at a particular time, you know, that I want them to respond this way morally. I want them to respond this way morally in this time. I want uh, to res- uh, them to respond this way uh, morally. So it's a requirement from us on how to relate to God. So each stage gives a promise of God's intention about humanity. An administration or a dispensation did not change the mission. You know, when we move from one administration to the other, the mission still stays the same. You know, the purpose still stays the same. You know, but how God fulfills that purpose is what changes. Are you with me? So, the mission remained the same. A dispensation can also be defined as a distinguishable economy in the outworking of God's purpose. Just bear with me. So a dispensation dispensation can also be defined as a distinguishable economy in the outworking of God's purpose. You know, that God works with people in a particular way. Now, biblically, dispensation can be defined as a divinely established stewardship of a particular revelation of God's mind. Divinely, divinely established stewardship of a particular revelation of God's mind. Now, uh, the word that we get, you know, the word dispensation from, you know, uh, 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 the Bible word, it's a Greek word, weikonomia. So, from this word, weikonomia, uh, we get the word dispensation translated from. Now, this word, uh, you know that the Bible, uh, the New Testament was written in Greek, right? And then the first translation into other language was uh, Latin because of the Roman Empire. You know, Latin was the, the language of the Roman Empire. And so when they translated the Bible from Greek to Latin, now, the word uh, that is translated here, you know, economia, in Latin would be the word dispensia, dispense, uh, dispensatia. Yeah. And now, that is where we get the word dispensation from. Yeah. But now, let me explain this word. Yeah. Now, this word, it's translated, has a sense of managing the affairs of a household, whereby you're managing the affairs of a household. So the dispensations are different economies instituted and brought to their purposeful conclusion by God. God chooses how he wants to relate to man at a particular time. So dispensationalism It's a form of stewardship or responsibility of humanity to obey God and to honor God. Now, the Scottsfield Reference Bible lists seven dispensations. You know, that ever since creation, right until the end, that there are seven dispensations. Now, they state that the first dispensation is a dispensation of innocence. Now, this is after God has created man, that man was innocent. You know, when God came and visited man at the cool of the day, uh, he was relating with an innocent man. Uh, man uh, was not uh, in a way, you, you see, you see uh, if you, are, you have not 
encounter a particular, I can't say you are, how can I put it? I can't say that you are, you don't steal if you have never come across an opportunity to steal. You're just innocent. Eh? There's nothing to steal. So I can't, I can't label you and say, this man does not steal. Because he, had nev he was never exposed. He had never had an opportunity uh, whereby he, is, he sees something that he can steal and he says, no, I choose, I decide not to steal. Eh? No, there was no opportunity. Yeah. And so, uh, he's just innocent. Now, that's how Adam and Eve was before they sinned before God. But when an opportunity came, they fell, unfortunately. So that period from creation until Genesis 3 you know, is a dispensation of innocence, whereby, innocent, whereby man was just innocent. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. That's this Genesis 1.28. Have dominion. We read it this morning, isn't it? You know, and so, uh, you know, so it was a, a, a moment of innocence. Then, when they sinned against God in Genesis 3, they now began, now God started. You know, uh, the way a, a man was now entered into another dispensation. Man was no longer an innocent man. Now, it was an era of conscience and mo or moral responsibility. Yeah. Now, man now had to deal with his conscience. You know, the Bible tells us that then the eyes of both were opened. Yeah. And they knew that they were naked. Yeah. And they shoot fig leaves together and made themselves loins. That is in Genesis 3 verse 7. Yeah. So now they were conscious of what they are doing. Are you with me? Yeah. So that is the second dispensation. Yeah. Now the third dispensation, in, uh, it starts in Genesis 8 verse 20. And following, you know, whereby now God calls Noah, and God calls Noah to build an, uh, 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 an altar to the Lord, and an ark before God, and you know, uh, so that people would enter in. Yeah, and, and, and that, that we, we call it the human government dispensation, you know, whereby people now began to relate to God. And, you know, uh, there were different government, you know, where people were now reigning. Then the fourth is the uh, dispensation of promise. Yeah, that is, uh, 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 it started when God called Abraham. You know, and God gave Abraham a promise and said that, get out of your land, go to a place that I will show you, and I will... I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. You know, now, from then on, God wanted to bless. He wanted Abraham to uh, be a blessing to the rest of the world. So all of this was God trying to reconcile man back to him. Yeah. Then the fifth one is the dispensation of the law. When God gave Moses' law, that I want my children to live this way. You know, it was the dispensation of the law. You know, then uh, we see now the dispensation, the sixth one is the dispensation of the church. And that is the dispensation where we are at now. You know, the dispensation of the church. That is, it started in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 when the Holy Spirit fell you know, and uh, upon people, and people uh, were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues, 
And when they were praying, multitude gathered and said, what is this? And Peter stood up and said, these are not drunk as you suppose, you know, and preached the gospel. They said, what can we do? You know, and Peter said that repent and be baptized, every one of you, with the Holy Spirit. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this gift is for you, for your children, and for all that God will call. You know, and uh, more than 3,000 got saved at that particular day. So it was the beginning of the church. Amen? It was the beginning of a way God now is dealing with people. Yeah. And it will come to an end. And we see that uh, after rapture, you know, it will come to an end when the church now is taken out of this world. It's raptured. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, we will be with God in heaven for a period of time. And then we will return. When we return, now Jesus Christ will establish his kingdom and rule for uh, seven years, you know, I mean a thousand years, you know, will rule for a thousand years. Now, that is the last dispensation. It's the dispensation of the kingdom where Jesus will be ruling, you know. Now, this is after rapture. So we see here that the progressive revelation of God can be seen in different portions, can be seen in all this dispensation. And we see also that God had always been, it, has, it had always been his desire to reconcile man back to him. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30 to verse 31, the Bible says that times of ignorance God overlooked. In other words, there was a time whereby God overlooked ignorance. In ignorance, where people were ignorant. God overlooked that. You know. But now, it's a different story. In other words, we are in a different dispensation. We are in a different era. But now, he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So, what is God saying here? God is saying here that in this dispensation, there is only one way that he deals with people. You know, in the past, it was through prophets, it was through priests, it was through different people, priests, and, you know, uh, all of them. But now it's different. No human being have an access, to, uh, 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 you know, it's no longer a redeemer. There is no human being who is a redeemer. It's only Jesus Christ. I know that you love me too much, but I, am, I cannot redeem you. It's only Jesus Christ. Amen? And so when we reconcile people back to God, we need to make sure that we draw them to Jesus. All that matters is Jesus and nothing else. And when we teach people the word of God, we must teach them Jesus. Don't teach them many things. Teach them Jesus, that they should love Jesus with all of their heart with all of their soul, with all of their being, that they should love Jesus. That's what we should be preaching. That's what I am passionate about, getting you to love Jesus. You know, because when you love Jesus, I know that you are in good hands. You are in safe hands. But if I give you this, always you should come back so that you should get more oil, you should get more water, you should get... You know, tell me, uh, you know what? You know. Eh? So the focus must be Jesus. Amen. 
Yeah. He's the one who owns heaven. He's the one who will be welcoming us to heaven. He, he, he's the one who has the right to say, yes, come in, or no, you can't come in. So all that matters is Jesus. And, I, and I'm so sorry that it's like he's diminishing in, in, in Christianity now. We're preaching so many things, but forgetting Jesus. So the ministry of our reconciliation is to, is to bring people back to Jesus. Yeah, because when I have Jesus, my life will be different. My life will change. Yeah. I, I, won't, I won't do many other things yeah, when I have Jesus. When I am passionate about Jesus, I'm telling you that my life will be great. The way I treat you, I will treat you because I will treat you in a way that Jesus will treat you when I have Jesus. But if it's something else, there are a lot of problems. So we need to always look at this, you know, that now God has appointed that we should just come back to Jesus, I mean, to God through Jesus. Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2 tells us, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, in this dispensation that we are living in, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So, God requires us to respond to him through Jesus Christ. somebody else. God will say, I don't recognize you. Even if you lift up your please recognize me, God say, I don't recognize you. The only way that God will recognize us is through Jesus Christ. And so we need to make sure that we stay in the era of Jesus Christ. Now, John 1 verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So that we receive grace, we receive truth through Jesus Christ. The covenants that God entered with different people were to establish and to grow his mission of reconciling man to himself. So in every dispensation, salvation is by grace through faith. And it's made possible by the death of Jesus Christ. So in every dispensation, God was pointing out that the way I want you to relate to me is through Jesus Christ. That is why during the dispensation of the law, God said that sacrifice, every year sacrifice the lamb. Yeah. Now, what was the purpose of that lamb? That lamb was signifying that I want you to learn that Jesus Christ, who is to come, is the one who is the perfect lamb, who will cleanse our sins, who will make sure that we are reconciled to God. That is why the Bible calls all of that a shadow. It's a shadow. It's not the real thing. It's just a shadow. A shadow of the real, the real thing. That is Jesus Christ coming and dying for us. So, we can't go back to the shadows. But we should hold on to the real. The real has come. And we should hold on to the real. Jesus Christ dying at the cross for us. So we need to understand the dispensation that we are in. Are you with me? Yeah. And as I say, dispensation is started in Acts chapter 2. If you have to follow chronologically, Acts chapter 2 is our starting point. 
Also the disciples of Jesus, before Jesus died, rose from the dead, the Holy Spirit, they were still in the old dispensation. That is why, before Acts chapter 2, when uh, you remember that Judas betrayed Jesus, and he ended up hanging himself, you remember that? And what happened? They now had to look for a replacement. Now, how did they look, how did they search for a replacement? Fine, they had a criteria that we want a person who has been following Jesus all these years, you know, who understand the teachings of Jesus, you know, and they ended up with two people. They said, now, between these two people, who are we to choose? Now, how did they choose the person? Babetama dies. Yeah, they cast lots. Which one? Now, that was a system in the Old Testament. But we never see that method ever again after Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We never see it. Because now, we no longer depend on the outside issues. Now we are depending on the Holy Spirit that has come into our hearts, who can lead us and tell us what to do. And, and that is why now you never see all the material things. You know, people that are using all, you know, go and get this, uh, you know, uh, fleeces, you know, and, you know, holy oil from Israel, and, you know, what else? You know, holy water from, you know, Jamaica, eh, from <laughs> all these places, you know, and you don't know what happened. All those people are in a wrong dispensation. They're living in the shadow. Today we don't need all of that because Jesus has come. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Our relationship must be with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, relating with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is enough for all of us. Amen. We don't need anything else. He has come, and that's it. Amen? And so, Jesus came to fulfill the mission of God. Remember, he was prophesied in Genesis 3, verse 15. God said, Jesus, the seed of a woman. Yeah. You know, uh, there is no, no any other scripture that a person is referred to as seed of a woman. Scriptures are only, uh, it's, it's only talking about the, the, the seed of a man. It never says seed of a woman. But it's when it refers to Jesus that it says seed of a woman. He says, the seed of a woman will bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Yeah. So Jesus will come to destroy your work. So Jesus came to fulfill the mission of God. The mission was the fundamental expression of the church. Yeah, the church is in existence to express the mission of God, to carry forth the mission of God. So we need to make sure that uh, what we are living for is for the mission of God. You know, that we are here to do the work of the ministry. Let me tell you, if a week passes, you have not encouraged somebody in God. You have not shared the gospel you know, uh, to somebody you know, about Jesus Christ. You have not called somebody who did not come to church today and say, I did not see you in church. You know, are you fine? You know, it's everything fine. Please, let's go to the cell group. If a week passes and you have done none of that, you need to tell yourself and say, I am failing. I am failing in the mission of God. Yeah. That's what should happen. Because that's what we are here for. Forget about all other things. Yeah, but let us be involved in the ministry of God. 
Amen? Yeah, I was telling somebody, you know, in Bilabila, I said, uh, you know, certain family, I haven't seen them in church. Have you called them? No, I haven't called them. And I said, please, you know, uh, that was when Friday, in the premier, I said, by tonight, I gave instruction, tonight, tonight, you must have called those people. And today, the whole family was in church. I said, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. Yeah. If we are leaders and people don't, uh, don't come to church and eh? it does not say anything to us. Ah, 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 come on. That's fine. No. The Bible talks about he leaves the 99 and he goes for the one. My question is, if you have hundred sheep here, right? You have ninety-nine sheep here. Will you be able to know oh, this one is ninety-nine, this one is hundred? By looking at just looking at them. You won't. But how will you know? It's when you physically count them that they are no longer hundred, they are now ninety-nine. It means there is one missing. So meaning that you must take stock of the people that you're taking care of. You must, you, you must uh, take stock. Are you with me? You know, you must know that, you know what, one is missing. I need to go for that one. That is the mission of God. That is what we are here for. That is what we need to. When somebody, maybe that one is in hospital and you don't know. And it's is there in lying in hospitals, nobody's coming to visit the ship and say, you know, these people, they don't care. And, and you don't know. How will you know if you don't make a follow-up? How will you know? You won't know. So all of us here, we need to be making sure you know, that this coming Sunday, tell yourself that from now until this coming Sunday, I will make sure that at least I follow up somebody and I literally bring them to church Sunday morning that they will be in church. They will be sitting in church. That is the mission of God. A blessing of partnering on the mission of God. So the whole Bible is just saying one message. And that message is the mission of God. The unity to express in the promise God gave. God gave the promise in the Garden of, of Eden and said, The seed will crush Satan's head. So God gave the promise to Abraham and through him to mankind. A, a promise eternally fulfilled and fulfilling in history of Israel and chiefly fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He being that which is principal in the history of Israel. Israel was chosen as a nation in order to carry the seed so that the seed can be able to, uh, to be extended to everybody else. Yeah, that is why it's so much important that God had to protect the seed. Yeah, when I was driving back from uh, Bilabila, I was, I was listening to the message that uh, Apostle Theo preached this morning, you know, and he said something that really blessed me, you know, and this is what he said. He said this, that, uh, you know, God said to the children of Israel, don't intermarry because God did not want to defile the seed. He wanted, he knew that the seed is coming through this nation, through these people. And so God wanted to protect the seed. So I said, wow. This is powerful. This is how much God really wanted to bless you. Amen? And so, the divine promise was given to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob in Genesis. It was continued in Exodus narrative. Emphasizing that the new nation Israel was Yahweh's son and his people, who were to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation 
for the benefit of all humanity. Out of Israel, seed would come, uh, God's Messiah for the whole world. So the same promise is restated and renewed with David that his seed will be given a throne forever. All in that promised seed were called as a light. Everybody were called as a light for all nations so that families of the earth might come to faith and to new life in the Messiah. And this is what is paramount to God. When God's children partake of this mission, they will be doing what God, what is central to God. God protects his children when they focus on what God is focusing on. God blesses his children when his children focus on what God is focusing on. God keeps his children on good health when his children focus on what God is focusing on. You know, Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33, uh, Jesus said this words. He says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we should be a blessing to our neighbors, to our friends, to our colleagues, by inviting them to Jesus. This we can do by bringing them to church. We should be involved in the ministry of reconciliation to do services that will be a blessing, you know, uh, to people. When we volunteer, we are helping people to be comfortable, to be in, in ministry. You know, all of that is helping us to be involved in ministry. We should be generous in our giving to the work of God for the extension of his kingdom. Because what matters is the mission of God. We are partnering with the mission of God. 